Please remain standing for the reading of God's word. Our scripture reading uh, comes from Genesis chapter 11, verses 1 through 4. If you don't have a Bible, we'd love to give you one. Uh, we have to, uh, Bibles out in the vestibule on your way out. You can feel free to grab one now or on your way out as a gift uh, from us to you. So hear these words from Genesis chapter 11, verses 1 through 4. Now the whole earth had one language and the same words. And as people migrated from the east, they found a plain in the land of Shinar and settled there. And they said to one another, come, let us make bricks and burn them thoroughly. And they had brick for stone and bitumen for mortar. Then they said, come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower with its top in the heavens. And let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be dispersed over the face of the whole earth. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Well, again, good morning and welcome to Christ Community Church. My name is Nathan. Uh, glad that you're here uh, with us uh, together this morning. Let me pray uh, and then we'll look at God's word for us this morning. Let's pray together. Father, uh, we ask that you would take your word um, and convict us of our sins. And Lord Jesus, would you, by your grace, meet us And through your Holy Spirit, would you make us whole? We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. So I read National Geographic. Yes, on purpose. Um, for fun, I like it. Uh, and uh, and what, one of the latest issues, I think it was last month actually, uh, was all about kind of like the future of cities, where our technologies are, are taking us. And it's fairly fascinating thinking about like, like what we've accomplished and where we're, we're sort of headed together. I mean, there's like, there's no end of what we are capable of. I mean, even, even just think about what we can do right now. Like we can, we can turn atoms into energy. Like artificial intelligence is becoming fairly mainstream. We have robots that can do just about anything. Genetic manipulation, self-driving cars. I mean, we're going to be camping on Mars in no time, right? It's amazing what we're capable of. Even just think about like what you can do with that little thing keeping your pocket warm, right? Giving you cancer in your leg, right? Um, like... If you're, if I, like, if I have a question, I just ask Siri. If I get lost, I ask Google. If you get hungry, there's DoorDash. If I'm bored, there's Netflix. Like, if I have a moment of need, right, or more likely want, Amazon can fix it in a second. There's even, like, you know, doctor on demand, right? Like, there's, there's nothing we can't do. We have, we have antibiotics and air conditioning and Chick-fil-A, like, modern marvels of our world, right? It's a good time to be alive, isn't it? Like, there, there's seemingly nothing out of our reach. It's pretty amazing what we as humans are, are capable of. It, it almost makes you wonder, like, what's, what's next? Like, how long until we fix all of our problems and just, you know, live happily ever after? I mean, on the one hand, it feels like it's right around the corner, doesn't it? I mean, we got we to be close. Like, people, we got this. I mean, is this what it feels like to be God? I mean, if so, I kind of like it, right? And yet, on the other hand, I think we know better, don't we? 
Regardless of, of what you believe, right, or what brought you here to church this morning, like we know, like even, doesn't it feel like, like almost weekly there's a new study that comes out on how miserable we all are? Have you notice this? Like it's just a regular thing. In fact, I grabbed three super encouraging headlines uh, from the last uh, few months or so. Here's the first one. Uh, new survey shows Americans are unhappier than they've been in years. So that's good. Uh, here's another one. I like the title here. Wealthy, successful, and miserable. Like that's the dream, right? That's it. Uh, one more, one more, this is good, right? America, desperate for happiness, is getting less and less happy. Like, and I had to like, I had to pick these out of numerous headlines, articles, studies, and yet like people, we keep trying, don't we? We humans are capable of nearly anything except the things that matter most. I mean, you could fill your home with almost anything you could possibly ever even dream of with a push of a button. But patience, forgiveness, love, happiness. I mean, surely one day there'll be an app for those things, won't there? Or a pill we can take? Church, we have been trying to get back to Eden since day one. Like anything, anything we can to, to make life better. And, and like, I'm thankful for all these like technological advances and progress. Like I'm not, I'm not against any of that. Like thank you Jesus for the internet and frozen waffles, right? They make my life better, okay? And yet the reality is like the more, the more we create, the bigger and stronger we feel. Like the more of our own questions and problems we can solve, the more in control we think we are, the more convenience, the more comfort. We have everything we want and so little of what we really need. I mean, if I'm honest, who needs God when I have my iPhone? There's nothing I can't do for myself. We have been chasing Eden, and deep down within us, for, for most of us, like we believe that if we just work hard enough, accomplish enough, solve enough, then maybe we can remake it without him. An Eden for ourselves without God. Now that feels like the dream, doesn't it? And listen, we are not the first people to try because when we, when we look at our, our story today, I mean, it's a weird one, okay, if you're listening there, and particularly where, where it goes from there, but like all of these early chapters of Genesis are just, they're, they're, they're hard, aren't they? They're hard to get our minds around, but if you take anything with you this morning, even from the strange story, I hope it's this. I think what the story is trying to communicate to us is that you cannot have Eden without God. You cannot have Eden without God boy, are we going to try, aren't we? And so here we are. It's the Tower of Babel, right? It's a crazy story. Can you picture it, right? Here's one artist's picture of, of it. It's kind of, a, kind of exciting, right? Um, tower, the Tower of Babel. Uh, and this, this story, like, this story's hard for me. Like, if I'm honest with you, like, this, it's just, it's hard to believe. It's so, like, okay, so we humans, we try to build a tower up to the heavens, and then God comes down, he confuses our languages, and scatters us across the earth. I mean, it's like, whew, okay, all right, is that, is that where we're going today? I'm like, I get that, and I'm with you on that, and yet, like, when you know what this story is really about, 
Our, our attempts to rebuild Eden without God. And then you look around our world today, like all of a sudden it's like, yeah, it's weird, but strangely believable. Because you and I have been building this tower ever since. And so turn to Genesis 11 if you haven't already. Genesis 11. So let me, let me kind of recap where we've been, right? When we started this series in Genesis, we started in the garden, right? The perfect world that God made. And a few weeks ago, we rebelled against God. And, and since then, like, it just keeps getting worse. We saw the first murder. We saw a cataclysmic flood. And now this. And the author is showing us, like, this is how dark things can get this side of Eden, like story after story after story. And even, even the language in each of these stories, we've tried to point that out along the way. Like we saw it with Cain and Abel. We saw it with, with Noah. And we see it here again. The language always is hearkening back to the, the first two chapters of Genesis. Like there's echoes of it there to remind us, like this is the way things ought to be. Look how far we've gone. And, and so, for example, in our story today, when, when God said, when God made us, in Genesis 1, he said, let us make man in our image. But now do you notice the language here? What do we say? Let us make a name for ourselves. Let us make ourselves invincible. Let us find happiness on our own and let us do it without God. So chapter 11, verse three, you'll notice it here, right? Chapter 11, verse three, let me read it. It says, and they said to one another, come, let us make bricks and burn them thoroughly. And they had brick for stone and bitumen for mortar. Then they said, come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower with its top in the heavens and let us make a name for ourselves lest we be dispersed over the face of the whole earth. And you might remember back in Genesis 1, God had told them, fill the earth and subdue it. I mean, yes, Build bricks, fine, right? Cultivate and keep. We talked about, yes, build homes. If you want to build towers, have a go, right? That's not what God is upset about here. But, he's like, but do it the way I've instructed you to do it. Do it with me as your God and you as my people for the flourishing of all. Nah, we're good. We want to do it our own way. We want to do it for ourselves. And you can't help but notice in those verses, their kind of speech to one another. They don't even mention God. It's like they've already forgotten their purpose on planet Earth. And so here, here's our first lesson. We've got three lessons in this story this morning. Here's the first one. And you already know this. We, we know this. Lesson number one, we keep building the tower. We do this all the time. I mean, the story, it feels so ancient. It feels more myth than history. If it didn't describe us so stinking well, we're still doing it. And listen, again, God is, he's not anti-progress, right? It, like, it is, it is right for us to want to push back against the effects of the, of the fall. And so technology that leads to human flourishing is a gift from God, and it is good. Don't stop doing that work, okay? Don't, don't, don't misread this story. There's nothing wrong with those things. That's not the point. The point is when it replaces God, or, or, or when we begin to convince ourselves that we don't really need him after all. Oh, I can answer my own questions. I can solve my own problems. 
This is is when it becomes not just treasonous against him, but damaging to ourselves. Because we saw this in the garden, right? We were never meant to live apart from God. And when we try, we do so at our own peril. And we we go through these motions, right? And we just think, if we're good enough, successful enough, rich enough, safe enough, attractive enough, if we get our way enough or have sex enough or stay healthy enough, if our kids turn out right enough, we think it'll be enough. And many of us, if we're honest, we have built the facade of Eden around our lives. And for some of us here, right, from an out, for an outsider looking in at your life, they think, wow, that person has paradise. You did it! Good for you. Then why are many of us still so unhappy? I mean, it's startling, isn't it, statistically speaking, that we are substantially less happy than the generations that came before us? And substantially less happier than other people around us with substantially less than we have? You know why? It's because you can't have Eden without God. And the root behind this, this is, this is our second lesson from this story. The root, the root behind this is that we want our name and not God's. Like that's, that's the real sin behind the sin of what, what God is poking, po- pointing at in this, this story. We want our name and not God's. Again, this story, it's not about the tower. It's about our, our pride. It's about our blind belief that we can do anything, our self-sufficiency, that we can have the good life without God. It's sort of like we want the kingdom of God. We want all that is wrong with our world to be made right, right? Every, every one of us, we long for the kingdom of God. But we can kind of do without the king, right? Let's leave, leave him out. And they say to themselves, let us make a name for ourselves. Maybe as an example, imagine... Imagine heaven. Like however you imagine that, like just at the very least, like no more pain, no more suffering, no more disappointment, loneliness, depression. All that is wrong with the world is gone. Like you can eat whatever you want, right? All that is good and beautiful is there. Like there is nothing you long for that isn't there. But imagine now all of that, but God's not there. guessing for many of us, it's like, well, it's got a nice view, right? Pass the french fries. Like, does that, does that even bother us, that idea? I mean, do you, see, do you see what I'm getting at? You and I, as, as humans, all of us, like, we have a fundamental belief that we can be happy without God. And so the best we can do is make a name for ourselves, It's kind of our substitute God, isn't it? We carve out our own way. We try to do it in a way that provides meaning for ourselves. I mean, I don't don't need God to be a good person. I don't need God to provide for my family or keep us safe. I don't need him to tell me what to do. I just need to make a way for myself. 
We think we can be God. And God cries out to us, Nathan, you're settling. Just like they settled. You're settling. So go back, go back to the story. This is where it gets a little bit a little weird, right? Because God comes down, whatever, whatever, whatever that means. But, he, but God, he comes and he, he tries to shake us out of our hell-bound complacency. And so look at, look at verse five. It says, and the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the children of man had built. And you gotta, you gotta notice the irony that the author is kind of drawing out in this story, right? There's, there's a couple things in particular that are just, they're supposed to be kind of funny, like not ha-ha funny, like sad funny. Like first of all, don't miss the fact that they want a name for themselves, okay? Like they, they, they want that, and God is like, fine, you can have that, right? I'll make your name infamous. Like, the fact that we're still talking about this story today, like, we've not forgotten them. I don't think it's what they meant, right, when they wanted a name, but that's, that's what's happening here. And the second piece is like, I mean, it's, just, it's comical the way the author describes it. They're building a tower up to the heavens, and the author is very clear. God has to come down to be able to see it. Like, and God can see everything, right? We know that. The author knows that. But he's, he's pointing out, like, this is pathetic. Like, the very best they can do is not even, like, God is still, like, picture him on a ladder, like, all right, I'll come down. And see. Like, it's kind of that sort of ridiculousness, pointing out that we can never reach the heights of God on our own. Like, even the best is pathetic. It's woefully inadequate. And so God, he comes down to see their, their work, like the monument to their name. And again, I picture him getting there. He's like, wow. Wow, guys. That's like super great. I'm really impressed, right? Is it wrong that I picture God like with a bit of sarcasm? I just can't help it in this story though, but that's, that's kind of what's happening. He's like, ooh, wow, this tower, you guys are so impressive, right? And so verse, verse six, look how, how God responds. And the Lord said, Behold, they are one people and they have, all have one language. And this is only the beginning of what they will do, right? We know that, don't we? And nothing that they propose to do will now be impossible for them. Come, let us go down and there confuse their language so that they may not understand one another's speech. Again, it's strange, right? What's happening here? And yes, this is, this is God's judgment on us. It's also his grace. I mean, God is not, he's not threatened by what we can accomplish. He's not like, oh, woe is me, right? They're not going to need me. Anymore. It's not, he's not anti-progress in any of these things. That's not what's going on. It's that if we leave him out of our lives, he knows where it'll take us. In church, Eden without God is just another version of hell. I mean, do you believe that? Even if we could create the best paradise and leave him out, we've only left hell for ourselves a disaster for our own making. I mean, my fear for me and for us when I read this story, it's not just our, our active sins, like the obvious ones, the ones that we know about, right? It's my passive, subtle belief that I just don't need God that much. It's my self-sufficiency, my comfort, my, my complacency, right? The utter bankruptcy we have of the things that matter most. And, and maybe... Maybe I'm reading too much into this story, but I am convinced that you and I are living proof that God did what was necessary. Like he did the right thing in scattering them because look at us. 
Look what we've done. We live in the new Babel. Call it America, call it Johnson County, call it paradise without God, and it will destroy us. The moment we think we can have it all without God, it is death for us. And according to the headlines, the studies of our joy and peace and satisfaction, we taste that death daily. This is what it looks like to build a city without God. And it's killing us. And so I'm, I'm convinced, and this is the, the third lesson, we need God to come down again. Don't we? We need him to come down again to show us where we've settled for Babel again. For with his judgment, there's also grace. And so if this, if this is true, I want to I wanna take the remi- remainder of our time with three points of application. Like if we, if we believe it's this serious, that each one of us is on the cusp of doing the exact same thing that they did. Three, three responses for us, for us all. First of all, we need to identify the towers that we're building. Like the things that make us feel safe enough, good enough, comfortable enough, or distracted enough to forget God. For many of us, it's our bank accounts, right? Because we feel so secure. It could be your title at work and what you've achieved, the way you parent or attempt to control your spouse or friends, your good works, your reputation, your health, your beauty, your intellect, your endless desire to be unique, to be your own person. We all have something we're looking at to tell us that our life is good enough, that it matters. What is it for you? And not just individually, right? We also have to look at what are, what are the towers that our city, our culture, tells us we need to keep building. Because this, this is the hard part, right? There's a little babble in you and me, right? but there's also a little babble in Olathe, isn't there? The American dream, our political saviors, subtle racism, suburban escapism, family idolatry, you know, the good life. Because we don't even notice these things. I mean, everyone, everyone around us says, you better keep building, right? I mean, you better exhaust your kid, kids with all those activities. Like, you, you better live for this or, or buy that. You, you'd better vote out of fear or like whatever, whatever it is. And we lay down brick after brick after brick. We don't even think about it. Because this is what you do when you live in Babel, right? You just keep throwing up bricks over and over again. What, what are those things? And the reality is we need a different community if we're going to figure this out, don't we? We need a community of believers around us to tell us a different story, different from Babel, one that's based on hope and grace where God is real and where he is better. We need each other to identify these towers in our lives. Second, second as you identify them, this is a helpful little, little trick, little, little tip. As you identify your towers, just compare them with God's. Like, compare your accomplishments with God once in a while. It'd be helpful. I mean, I think that's kind of what the author is doing here, right? Uh, like, he's intentional. They build a tower to the heavens, and still God has to come down, right, to look at it. And for some of us, like, like you built a really nice-looking family, a really decent lifestyle, 
a favorable reputation, your own pile of good works that you can stand tall upon. But if any of that is without God, when he comes to inspect, it's sort of like when, when Job complains to God and God is like, you know I made everything, right? But that's sort of us, like, hey, Nathan, I'm super impressed with what you, I mean, that's kind of like, but I, my bank account, right? I've got that. Well, God's like, yeah, but I literally own everything. Or you're maybe like, well, I built this, this business or this, this family. It's like, I invented DNA, right? I mean, like God could always outmatch us. But I'm super impressed with you, Nathan, right? The reality is like when we surround ourselves with the things that we've made, we feel really good about ourselves, don't we? Wow, I've made a name for me. I mean, when I have my iPhone, I am a God. There's nothing I can't do. But then I read in his book what he has done. Whew. Or I step outside for five minutes into the world in which he made. You know, you watch the sunset, you see the stars, you go on a hike in the woods or climb a mountain. Instantly, you're aware of how small you are and how huge he is. I compare my little towers to his world and his works. I mean, how can we not be humbled and in awe and frankly want him to be a part of our everything because it's so much better than anything we could accomplish. Again, I'm not, I'm not saying abandon technology and move to the woods, right? Although sometimes that's, that's in me somewhere, right? I, I, but that's not, that's not what I'm saying. That's not what this is about. Like, yet at the same time, you have to occasionally set aside the distraction, set aside this empty sense of control, such an illusion that we have in our pockets. I control the world, right? Set it aside and look up at what God has done. Yes, iPhones are great. Have you seen a redwood? Or even the cottonwood that's right outside that window. God made that with sunshine. That's it. What have you done? Look up once in a while. Look around. Make a habit of it in his book and in his world. I mean, Psalm 19, I love that, points to both of these things. And if you want to stop trusting in your little towers, you've got to compare your accomplishments with God's and let it humble you. And finally, most importantly, if you want to take this seriously, if you want to grow in this area, you and I need to long for a better city. Because Babel's just not cutting it, people. Neither is Olathe. I mean, yeah, we, we love our earthly city. We, we care for it, and together we seek its flourishing. But please, like, don't settle here. Don't get too comfortable. And, and yet there's a, there's a tension here, because the reality is, like, every other religion, essentially, is about us making ourselves good enough to attract God's attention so that we can one day escape this world and go off and float in the sky, right? That's, that's essentially what every other religion teaches, that the tower is, is like our good works, right? If you're just good enough. And yet every other worldview is also very similar, even if it's irreligious, like without God, like that we have to rise above ourselves, like chart our own course. The tower is, is our own achievement. Either way, it is escapism, and it will lead ultimately either to despair when you realize that you're not good enough and you can't accomplish everything, or to just absolute self-righteousness when you foolishly think you have. 
But that's not our story, people. Our story, the story of the Bible, it's not about us one day leaving our, our frail existence. Instead, ours is a story of a God who joins us in it. It's a story of a God who on every page keeps coming down. Like this is just, this is his mode. And we, we saw it in the garden, right? We saw it with Cain and Abel. We saw it last week with Noah. We see it here in this story. We're going to see it next week with, with Abraham. And God comes down to him and says, I'm going to make your name great. Because with, with Abraham, we see the beginning of this hope that leads all across on every page of God who keeps coming down until we get to a descendant of Abraham where God would come down, but this time with skin on. His name was Jesus, the one who would take away the sins of the world. God with skin who came to die for us. But it doesn't, it doesn't even end there. In fact, the story of, of Pentecost, that's in Acts chapter 2, it's after Jesus' death and resurrection when God himself again would come down, this time through the Holy Spirit. And it's the great redemption of Babel. Where, where instead of God confusing our languages, I mean, do you, have you heard this story? Where, like when, when the first sermons of, of, about Jesus are preached, instead of confusing the languages, right? And everybody speaks their own language. They're able to hear it through the Holy Spirit in their own language. That God comes down again through his spirit, not one language, but many unified in, the, in praise of the one name, Jesus, the name above every name. And it doesn't end there, though. That you and I, the church, that we, we are meant to be the place where God continues to come down through his people day in and day out. A place where, where Babel is continually redeemed, where every kind of person can meet and gather, and where we can proclaim this good news of a God who keeps doing this. And we can spread that flourishing even to our earthly cities. And then finally the end, where all the languages of the earth, like this is the picture of Revelation, all the peoples, all the languages will gather together, all who call on the name of Jesus, again with one voice. Not our, our false Eden without God, which is just another word for hell. It's an Eden forever with God. This world remade, a new kind of city, and God himself will come down, this time to stay. And he will live with us. And we will have Eden once more forever. For that is the city we long for. Lord Jesus, come quickly. Let's pray. Father, I pray that you would convict us, convict me, out of the ways in which we keep building. And the ways we don't even possibly see it because it's just, what, it's just what we do in Johnson County. Brick after brick after brick. God, expose us and show us our, our deep and tragic need for you. And then would you come down even here in this moment through your spirit, would you come down? For those who trust in you, God, would you convict our hearts and give us hope in your grace? And for those who don't, God, I pray that you would come down and convict their hearts and give them hope in your grace. And help us long for a better city.
Let's stand together.